Welcome to Light Steps Live. Our mission is to open the Word of God to edify the believer and evangelize the world, that people who follow Jesus can walk in the light as He is in the light. Now let's look at the second half of this passage with that James chapter 5 verse 15, um, six, excuse me, 16 being our our turning point here. Let's go back and add 16 again. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for another one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. So, this right here is another one of these framework building things, okay? You see the pieces to it. Confess your sins, pray for one another, experience healing. You see it right there. It's as plain as day. Now, let's go ahead and, and be honest. How many of us find it particularly easy to really confess our sins. I was joking with one of my coworkers the other day. I was, I was just joking and I was saying I was going to make up this crazy game where it was sort of like a adult Christian version of, of truth or dare where there was this jar of, uh, of, of things and you don't know what it is and you draw one out and, 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 you know, you can say, I'll do this. And if I won't do it, I have to take the dare, you know, um, it's not pick truth or dare. It's you, you know, you either tell the truth or you, or you get assigned a dare. And I was saying like, what I would put in this is stuff like, what is your biggest regret? And one of my coworkers was sitting there said, I would never tell that, you know, and we all just started laughing and it was all a joke. But it's a great illustration for this passage because it's very difficult to tell people the things we're most ashamed of. It's very difficult to tell people the things that we are presently struggling with, especially when we know that we know that we know that it is breaking our fellowship with God or it's it's uh, it's interfering with the pursuit of holiness. It's tough. It's tough to confess your sins. Now, remember the context here. Is anyone suffering? Uh uh, praise to the Lord. Is anyone cheerful? Sing to the Lord. Is anyone sick? You know, call on the elders. Confess your sins. Why? Because we're always uh, uh, a breath away from meeting the Lord anyway. But when you're sick, you're closer to meeting the Lord. And it's time to do real business. It's time to do real business. I don't believe in the Roman Catholic system of... of um, of going into the confessional and, and and as a sacramental uh work and and saying your sins to the priest and the priest giving you absolution and uh, assigning you some some works of repentance or penitence but i can't deny that the scripture clearly says here confess your sins to one another it's just as clear as a bell then what is supposed to happen is in holy biblical driven spirit-filled community we we get real with one another we confess that sin we bring that thing out of darkness and into light and we take the counsel of the believers around us who remind us what God says about that action, that activity, that habit, that thought process. Let God call it what he calls it. And then we also remind one another of the grace of God. This is a powerful community event. And I want to I wanna recognize up front 
It's very difficult to get real, but it's very necessary to get real. When was the last time you really, you really became transparent with someone? Do you do that on a regular basis? Do you spill your guts? Do you, do you receive accountability? Now, I want to tell you what we find easy. Um, you never know, you know, this, this video, this, this, uh, audio recordings going out into, uh, the, the internet. I don't know who's, who's listening. Um, uh, maybe somebody in California or Indiana or somewhere, but I want to tell you something. If you're not from the South, you, you may or may not know this, but in the South, we like it sugary sweet and fake as all get out. You know, I'll, I've often joked and said the biggest lie we hear is, is, uh, you know, I'm fine. You know, how are you doing? I'm fine. You know, the second biggest lie that, that, that we hear is I'll see you Sunday, you know, <laughs> preachers hear that lie all the time. But here's the thing. It's very, very difficult to confess our sin. But what we love to do in our culture here in the American South is talk about other folks sin. Well, this doesn't say confess other folks sin. <laughs> this says confess your sin. It's time for us to get real. Every person is our lives are a mist. That's what James has taught us. We're, we're vapors, we're fogs, we're passing through relatively quickly. If we live to be 120, it's just a blink on the scope of eternity. We're always just a breath away from standing before the Lord. But if we're sick, if we're sick, then we're closer. Our body's not well, we're closer to meeting the Lord. If you're suffering, pray to the Lord. If you're cheerful, sing to the Lord. If you're sick, call on somebody. Get in community. Confess your sins. Receive the anointing of oil. Be prayed over. Get it right with God. Get it right with God. Bring it out there and let people speak truth to it. It's really, it's really powerful, really powerful stuff. And it's really something that happens in community. And most of us, most of us, won't, um, you know, we want a la carte community. In other words, we, we want it over here and we want to, we want it, you know, served to us on the side in, in just the way that we prescribe it. But this right here says community looks like a confessional, transparent place where we open ourselves to hearing truth from one another, being reminded of truth from one another, being prayed over uh, by one another. This is very powerful. And, and it says, like, the prayer of a person, a righteous person, you know, who's righteous uh, in and of themselves? No one. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful. Where do they get their righteousness from? Hidden in Jesus. You might say it like this, just, just as an illustration, as a metaphor. The prayer of a person hidden in, in Christ Jesus is very powerful in its working. And so uh, that's the reminder we get in the second half of verse 16. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. Hidden in Jesus. Hidden in the great high priest, hidden in the great physician, hidden in him who is righteous, who is righteousness itself, hidden in him who is the first and the last, hidden in the life, hidden in the truth, hidden in the way, hidden there, the prayer has great powers is working. So what is, what's going on in your life? Respond to the Lord. It, you know, if it's something going on that makes us see the frailty of life, which is a lot of stuff, especially sickness, come into community, 
confess, receive truth, receive prayer, receive anointing. And then, you know, elders be ready to do the anointing. Brothers and sisters be ready to hear the confession. Brothers and sisters be ready to speak the truth. Brothers and sisters be ready to call sin, sin, but also be ready to remind our brothers and sisters about the grace and mercy that is found in Christ Jesus. Powerful stuff here. So James gives us an example to help us to help us understand. He says, hey, y'all, this, this is the Tim Bosch paraphrase, right? Hey, y'all, let's look at old Elijah. He was just a dude. He was just a guy. He was just like us. He's just a man. His feet were made of clay. Uh, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. I think the King James says Elijah was a man of mixture or something like that. In other words, he he, he wasn't a perfect guy. He wasn't God in the flesh. You know? He's just like us, but what happened? Hidden in the Lord. Hidden in the Lord, Elijah's prayer had great power. And they give us an example. It says, uh, man, this righteous man in alignment with God will, God's will, understanding by the revelation of the Spirit what God wanted to do, uttered what God wanted to do into the realm of mankind. It was already what God wanted to do. Elijah's in fellowship with God, hearing from God, says, don't rain. Doesn't rain for three years. Like process, three years later. In tune with God, abiding with the Lord, hearing from the Lord, rain. There was no power in Elijah. There was no power in Elijah's prayer in and of itself, but hidden in the Lord. It was powerful because it was working from the Lord. It wasn't Elijah who was working. It was the Lord who was working. But Elijah was realizing the working of the Lord. This is this is what spirit-filled believers walking together, we should expect this sort of power, not because we have this sort of power, but because we're in fellowship with him who is the essence of this power. Pray I'm making sense. I feel like I'm racing against the clock to say some very, very big and powerful things. This is an exhortation. Whatever disposition we have, Respond to the Lord. And the more critical of things going on in our lives, be in community, always be in community. But the more critical we actually bring those troublesome things into the light in our community. Sickness, sin, bring it to the community. What's at stake? You'll be healed. Now that healing, that healing, that healing might come by God delivering you from this body of death, delivering us from the fresh flesh, taking us off this mortal coil, bringing us before him. So we have to be ready. That healing may come and that we're healed and left in this body. And we still needed to get right with God. We need to get right with God and be right with God. And I think what I find really interesting is this is all couched in a pretty big warning. Let me read verses 19 and 20 again. My brothers, if anyone of you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Brothers and sisters, I believe this is directly connected to suffering and sickness. You got that one who's who's been straying. I don't mean they hadn't been in church. They could have been there every Sunday and been straying from the Lord. Suddenly they get sick 
and they call on the elders, they call on the community, the community comes around them, they, they confess their sins, they hear truth, they, they get a renewed relationship or a personal revival with the Lord, okay? And what's happened, what's happened is whoever in that community was speaking truth to them, speaking that those, that one or those ones who were hidden in the Lord, hearing from the Lord, helping helping this loved person by by hearing their sins, speaking truth, reminding them of, of God's wrath, reminding them of God's righteousness, reminding them of the mercy of God through the Lord Jesus, okay? And what happens is sickness is used by the Lord to renew community and to renew faith. And suddenly someone, because sickness started it, is snatched from the claws of isolation and separation from God and his body. I believe it's connected. If you look at it, you know, it's definitely a Christian activity. My brother, James says, <laughs> he actually um, uses that phrase over a dozen times in this, in this, in this short letter. And uh, it's, it, it is clear this is meant for the church, my brothers. It's meant for the whole church, if anyone. You know, I don't care who you are, if anyone. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, there, there's a problem. And here's how sickness a lot of times can help bring us back to truth. Sickness can be a, a real blessing. Tell you a personal story. It's not even that interesting. It's just my story. Um. Right now, at this present time, my daughter, one of my daughters and I are studying through the book of Ezekiel. And uh, just in God's weird time, and I'm talking about this passage from James chapter 5, and I think back to um, a time where I studied Ezekiel intensely. I was on a, a retreat with some young people, a youth retreat, um, up in the mountains of Virginia, and uh, we went we went skiing, and I was... Uh, I was acting crazy, jumping over these little moguls and stuff like that. Well, I landed wrong and I tore my knee to pieces and uh, I wound up uh, going to the hospital. I'll never forget my good friend, Kevin Barry, drove me all over the place to, to get find me some medical help. And and we stayed there half the night and, and uh, you know, wound up realizing, and, you know, my knee is going to need a major surgery. They, they put it in a stabilizer. Uh, Kevin and I get back to the place we're staying at like three in the morning or something. And we go to bed. We got to get up early because we're cooking for all these, you know, 50 some teenagers we had with us. And and uh, so we get up at about five and and we're, you know, using this makeshift kitchen um, that we had set up. And and because my knee was hurting so bad, I was cooking, sitting down. I was making bacon and sausage. I had two big fryers going and and. Um, and so the Gentile horror story happens. Uh, I, 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 uh, I accidentally uh, slipped. The chair broke, made me slip. I, I reached out to catch myself because it happened suddenly. Flipped over both of the fryers onto myself. I'm, I'm, I got burns all over my torso, my upper thighs. Uh, you know, it, it, man, God blessed us. We had a, one of the parents that was with us was an EMT and, and they immediately started treating me. We were 45 minutes from uh, from an ambulance being able to get to us. And they came, they took me to the hospital and I had these crazy burns and my knee is messed up and I was a mess. Um, I had burned my hands 
badly. It, it was terrible. I, um, my hands had to, I had to use this cream on my hands every day. It was the, the cream. I used three cans a day for the first three weeks, three cans a day. And this cream was $250 a can. I'll never forget all this. And so they treat my hands with it, wrapped them up, looked like two big Q-tips. And I was studying the book of Ezekiel. And I was laying at home for a few weeks, couldn't do much of anything. And I remember I could hold my Bible and I would turn the pages with my, my lips and my tongue. I just wet my lips a little bit and turn the page. And I'm, I'm home alone and, and, um, and, and trying to recover. And I'm studying the book of Ezekiel and, uh, just remember drawing so close to the Lord. Just remember reading this very mysterious, powerful book of Ezekiel, this chastisement and warning upon Israel. I began to hear it in my soul and to feel it in my soul. And, and I knew, I knew that this, this time of busting my knee, burning my body was going to be a powerful revival for me. Um, one of my uncles came to visit one day and, and, um, wound up giving his life to the Lord. A, a young friend came, the same thing happened. Uh, you know, some visitors from my home church came and encouraged me. Um, some folks came. I'll never forget this, this older man was in his seventies. It was going to the, to, uh, the church that I was associate pastor of at the time. And he came and he, he was going to try to encourage me and he couldn't. And he just, he just kept patting my hand. He would pat my hand. His eyes were full of tears, and it was powerful. It was powerful. Two grown men lamenting there together, and and um, I, I wouldn't have said going into that weekend that I was drifting. Okay, I wouldn't have said I was away from the Lord, but I definitely would say at the end of of healing from this this very challenging time, I was much closer to the Lord. There's all kinds of reasons we drift away. Sometimes it's just busyness. And I think that's what had happened in my life. In school, in ministry, working part-time, young family. And uh, I'll always thank God for that knee injury and those burns. Always thank God. That, that, that time in my life was a time that God used to powerfully draw me near to him. And uh, I'll always be thankful for it. So the scripture says here, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, someone brings him back. Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Now, I'm out of time. I can't deal with that with, with the way I wanted to. But it's worth some study. It's very powerful. The overarching idea I want to walk away from as we looked at James 5, 13 through 20, is that there is a framework to create communal Christian living that keeps the gospel before us. And there is a sensitivity in a saint that should constantly be leading us to respond to the Lord. You're suffering, pray. You're cheerful, sing. You're sick, call on community. If you feel you, you, you know, if you feel the, the preciousness of life and we should always feel the preciousness of life, if we can come to an understanding that we might stand before the Lord any moment, keep short accounts, be real with one another, receive truth and let God do a work in our life. It's, this is powerful stuff. And I feel like in the moments I've given to it, I haven't even given it the treatment it deserves. It's worth you continuing to study it. And that's a fact. Thank you for joining us on Light Steps Live today. My name is Katie Bose, and the rest of our production team is Andrew Liggett, Shannon Allen, and Steve Riley.
The music provided by Banjo Ben Clark. Connect with Banjo Ben at banjobenclark.com. Tim Bowes is a pastor of East Rock Community Church and the executive director of My Life Matters, a gospel ministry with a focus on making disciples who become lifelong followers of Jesus. Discover more about My Life Matters at mylifematters.club. Thank you.